48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is We Should Have Died, uh, episode two. I'm not sure if that's what we called it, but we're continuing our conversations about crazy kind of accidents and circumstances, um, sometimes brought on by ourselves, sometimes brought on (laughs) by other people that we had in the past um, that that came close to to a death experience. And um, I think we've had quite a few of those. So this might be a topic that we can tread out for a very long time but uh the purpose the reason we're going to do this for the art check as a topic is i do think storytelling even verbal storytelling is a really good practice when you're trying to create stories um and a perfect example of this i think Corey mentioned before is like you know alan moore you know just had a casual conversation was were you the one who brought that up yeah with Um, neil gaiman with neil gaiman about I'm just getting really into this Jack the Ripper stories and that you know uh, of course people are pretty familiar with From Hell um, which resulted later on so it's like getting the brain kind of working in storytelling and fascinating things um, especially like for me it's really useful with the, the fact that I do auto bio and for I think Corey or someone even not doing auto bio you're still kind of bringing a lot of those points and stuff into your stories later on right um the emotional truth can be the same even in a a very like simple kids book like um or in a, a complex you know utopian or dystopian like you know uh story like there's there's a million uses so anyhow and and neil gaiman neil gaiman i've seen advertised for a master class that he has produced where he talks about how you use kind of autobiographical uh, stories and events uh, to write stories. And if you ever read any of his stuff, it's out there. there there's no way that any of that has happened to yeah. him. But um, I'm super interested in that class. So I might I might take that class. But I agree, like the truth in the storytelling is, uh, and maybe we should do this as a topic, but the truth in the storytelling is really interesting because people can relate to those things. Um, and, yeah. and, and getting used to kind of like framing it as a story is, is interesting because there's, yeah. you can tell events, but that's not a story. So yeah. anyway, so, uh, I started last time. Why don't, why don't you start this time? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm kind of going a little bit from the past to the present. So there's some much more dangerous ones later on, but I thought I'd tell one of when I was in high school, um, I had, uh, my best friend um, and myself were kind of nerdy, like smart kids at the school who were really into like indie rock. And we had started going down this like music rabbit hole, which like pre-internet, this was something you usually did with friends or acquaintances or like the weird guy who'd walk by and hand you a record and be like, dude, this is the thing. And then you'd check it out and you'd be like, you opened my brain. Like, thank you. (laughs) Um, So we had just discovered punk rock. And in response to discovering punk rock, like that, and you know, a lot of it was like very, you know, known punk rock, like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and the Clash, 
And then we were starting to get into like the gritty stuff, like agnostic front, like pretty much anything we could get that had like a really cool black and white album cover that looked all punk rock. We'd pretty much pick up and then, and then kind of go down these rabbit holes and order catalogs from the, from the record companies and stuff like that. But that's the era this is, this is like at the peak of us just getting like full bore into punk rock. So, um, and this, will be important later in the story. But anyhow, so I, you know, wore the uniform of like a punker. Like I, I had cut my hair to look like Sid Vicious. I got a lock and a chain. I didn't go to Hot Topic to get the chain. I went to like uh, a Home Depot because it had like a thicker chain. And, uh, <laughs> and then I had like all these studs on wristbands that were like those actual spikes, you know? Um, but anyhow, uh, we were over at our friend's house, uh, for like a, a sleepover. And this friend was a relatively wealthy friend whose parents were like always out of town. And so we were up to no good. We were, um, drinking a little bit, um, and listening to records and like getting all kind of amped up and keep in mind, like the place that we went to high school in was out in the middle of nowhere, this place called Rosemond, California, which is like, the only things to really do in Rosemond are like doing really bad things or like going out into the desert and just doing weird adventures. And so we did a mix of both. So we, we did a lot of drinking, not the person who was going to be driving um, the guy, the guy whose house it was. And then we got into a truck and we thought it would be a great idea for our friend. Cause neither myself or my best friend had our license, but this guy did um, to like go off-roading and oh yes, my best friend's brother was there as well. So my best friend and I uh, got in the bed of the truck, and uh, this guy and um, and my best friend's brother, like was, he was the passenger, and then the, the guys whose house it was we were staying at, he he's driving the truck, and we hit these off road trails that are out in the desert. It's the Mojave Desert. It's black as night outside. It's beautiful. You see, just you know. You see the holes, like the swirls of the Milky Way in the sky. And we're just getting this adrenaline rush because we're unbuckled in the back of a truck going on off-roading trails in the middle of the desert. And it's just rocky terrain, but it's really exhilarating. So we get the bright idea after kind of sitting and kind of holding tight that we're going to surf it. And oh, um, no. so... And keep in mind, we're going like 35 miles an hour or 40 miles an hour, not fast by means of like if you're on a smooth road, but way too fast if you're off-roading. Anything um, faster than idea. you can run is really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about, I mean, this is not a smooth terrain. <laughs> right. So we decide we're going to stand up and... um surf and so like my best friend and i stand up and decide to surf and at that point the guy driving the car gets the brilliant idea because he doesn't see us in the rear view because <laughs> he's paying a lot of attention to what's in front of him so that he's not hitting dips to make a very quick turn <laughs> and uh at that point um we like time slows and I see my friend fly out of the car and I fly out of the car and I'm literally looking at my friend like we're in the air and he's below me. And at one point, you know, then he hits hard 
and I'm about to hit hard and, and um, your perception of time slows down a lot. So I remember yeah. very vividly my face seeing the like the, the because the car had kind of flown in the air because it had hit a hit a bump. So my head came re- like like maybe six inches from like the base of the tire. Like I actually saw the tire above my head. Um, had it landed, my head would have just been gone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so the tire clears me and then like, it's like the slow motion stops and just the boom. And I, um, as I, as I recover, like the first thing I see is like a spike, um, that was on my wristband because I was a smart punk rocker <laughs> and, uh, and it was probably like an inch from my head. Oh, geez. Um, and then I look below me and, uh, um, uh, I, I, I don't see anything. And somehow my friend that was below me had landed and his impact had landed on me. And at that point I start assessing the damage. I look at my arm. I've lost like the skin on a lot of my arm. Um, and it's like treaded, you know, cause you don't just land, you, you land and drag when yeah, you fly road, from a car road and the drag is probably the worst part. Um, I have half my face is like, just like my friend can't even look at me <clears> because <throat> he's freaked out. Like I look disgusting. I'm just covered in blood. Um, the, the truck comes back, you know, I'm trying to kind of figure out what's going on. At this point, I'm still in shock, so I'm kind of laughing it off, and I'm like, oh, I'm good, you know? Um, <coughs> and then we get back to hit, like, so we all kind of, they kind of help me into the car because I'm delirious and kind of laughing, and everyone thinks I've, like, literally, like, I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I thought it was hilarious because, and another reason I thought it was hilarious was because my friend who had landed on me <laughs> had cut his finger, and he was complaining about his finger let like had like a paper cut on it and half of my body was like ripped to shreds including my whole like punk rock jacket that i had like sewn all the patches on yeah i think i had a few safety pins sticking in me from my jacket um because that's so cool to have safety pins on your jacket um so we get back to his house they throw me in the tub like they start just trying to wash off the blood and there's just like dirt and rocks like embedded in my skin and getting um, and getting that out of wounds is the worst like yeah. i don't know i don't know if anybody in the audience has has done this but if you have not had the pleasure of getting road rash to the point where you have to pick gravel and shrapnel and dirt and whatever is on the road is now inside of your skin that's the worst cuz it cuz you can't be you can't be gentle and at the same time it's like super painful and tender no and you can't like your temptation would be to like rub it off and you can't you have to pull it out yeah like um because it's so embedded in there so anyhow so uh so yeah like my knee was like super shredded up like my whole arm was messed up i still have like scars and stuff on my um on my arm i think it's this but it's like my elbow got it pretty bad um and like a lot of my leg was just incapacitated and um, like I hadn't somehow I had managed to not break anything. I just shredded off a lot of my skin <laughs> and, and um, 
and meanwhile while we're freaking out and like they're all freaking out they're like should we have you stay the night like you know after like while we're they're cleaning and stuff it's like should we stay the night like we're gonna get in so much trouble like (laughs) you know um because like my family was not okay with any of what we were doing (laughs) including off-roading yeah and um uh you know neither was my friend's family so we were like okay do we like what do we do here and like meanwhile they're like do we let you sleep because you could like die like i've read this thing because i have this like lump on my head and stuff so anyway we end up just deciding like we're just going to kind of wait the night out um i i go to sleep i wake up obviously i've lived through it stuff um and then the next day when i got back home i uh we made up this story that I had gone hi- We had gone hiking <laughs> and my friend Jeremy and I were just being a little stupid, got a little too, too close to the edge and, and fell. And so it was a fall rather than a surfing. Like a, a, yeah. Surfing in the back of a, <laughs> of a truck that you're off roading on oh, that's and uh, they bought it. So like, it was literally like 15 years later that my, my mom ended up, saying something about that like how stupid that was that we had done that and i ended up telling her the truth of it i was like you have no idea how stupid it was so, oh that's funny but anyhow so that's that's one of the stories sorry that went long no that's yeah. okay uh so that story one of the things i love about storytelling is one of my favorite activities is you get into a group of people and everybody starts telling stories and it triggers stories. So I have now thought of four stories. So I'm going to let, I'm going to let people in the chat choose between, um, the sniper rifle training camp story, uh, which (laughs) I'm under NDA on a lot of it. So I can only tell there's still a story there, but I, I can't give some details. Uh, or, um, the time that I jumped the minivan. So if you have a, if you have a preference, whoever says it first, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that one. But um, really quick, while, while people are voting between jumping the minivan or the weird secret sniper rifle training facility, um, I'll tell just a quick one. We were, we were whitewater rafting, and um, there was like three boats full of people. And so, and we, is, you know, so we, were, we were going, and what happens is when there's not rapids, you kind of attack the other boat. And so what we were doing is we'd like, we'd go on and attack this other boat. And then at one point in time, our raft upended and one of the people who was like trying to capsize us from another boat fell from the nose of our boat all the way to the back and landed with his foot right in the guide's head. And the guide was a buddy of ours. And it just, it opened, it opened his face up just right above his eyebrow. Uh. And just so much blood. And I don't know if you get a cut right at your eyebrow, the forehead, it's, yeah. it's uh, really hard to tell whether you've lost your eye or not because it yeah. hurts a lot. And then there's usually so much blood that you're like, oh, did we just like puncture an eye? Like, do we need to look for his eye? Anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, that guy, the reason I, the reason I remember this story is because you're talking about getting stuff out of the stuff out of the wound. We were like whitewater rafting. So we're in the middle of nowhere. So we're like, oh, we got to go to the hospital. So on the way back, we're like in Montana and we found this, you could call it a hospital. They called it a hospital. <laughs> it was maybe in the old West, it would be considered a hospital, but it was like 
two rooms sort of <laughs> and uh and they just they just like stitched him up right there and uh yeah. and he's and they're like we don't really have any anesthetic anesthesia or anything or like you know i can he's like just do it it's fine so they just like they just kind of like scraped and they scraped with like this metal thing to get all the, anyway. So that's, there's that. So do we have votes in the, in the chat on the story? Yeah. It sounds like sniper is the way to go. Squatchy and Mike are saying right. they want the sniper story. And I'm glad they are because it, between the two, I'm sorry that it is the most like intriguing. It's a better title. It's a better title. Yeah. So, um, I was, I have to be careful cause I'm not legally under NDA, but the guy, my client, told me, uh, if you talk about X, Y, or Z, you're going to have a b- very bad day. And, um, and this guy makes weapons for the military and was one <laughs> of the scariest people. Nice guy. Also terrifying. So, um, so anyway, legally, I don't think I have any obligation to, to do this, but it's just a good idea. Anyway, I like him. He's a good guy, but so he, he hired the, the company I worked for to do some videoing of a facility. And he said, all right, CK, uh, we're going to go to this place, but th- this place, you're not allowed to know where it is because it's a, it's a secret facility. Um, you know, the military, <clears throat> you know, what, what, what's happening right now, this is, this is at a point in time where um, Congress was considering shutting places down and opening other places. And so depending on who we anticipate to have a war with, it would make sense to have training facilities where it's really cold and covered in snow or training facilities where it's more of a desert climate. And in the U S you can kind of just pick and choose what climate and terrain you want because it's a big country. So anyway, so that, that kind of came into play, but I got into this, very small plane, uh, like the kind of plane I've done some skydiving. It was like one of those planes. They're not big. They're like the kind of that, like, a like you and I could buy, you know, yeah, not a big, like actually a lot of people out here towards the Edwards air force base have those, like they, they even have hangers in their backyards. Like yeah. just like you have for a garage, you know? Right. Like little Cessnas and, and yeah. little, little things like that. So I get in and they blindfold me and fly for, I don't know, some undisclosed period of time from where we took off. And, uh, and I'm blindfolded the entire time. Oh man. And And those planes are not like commercial flights, man, where you're like, where you're like, you know, not feeling a lot of the turbulence, those planes, like there's a slight breeze and it feels like the plane's going to go down. (laughs) Yeah. And I will tell you that I don't normally have like, uh, air sickness or motion sickness or seasickness or anything. <laughs> but if you're in a, a very small fixed wing aircraft blindfolded, <laughs> uh, and I don't know where I was going. I was assume I was Northern. I was still Northern. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, that was not a good ride. And I was like, I was like, you guys, I know, I know I'm not supposed to look, but I don't know how long I can have this blindfold on. I'm like sick. And, uh, and I was with several black ops seeming guys and then my client. Right. And so they're like, yeah, you'll be fine. If you throw up, you're not going to die. I was like, okay. So, um, (laughs) so then we land and, and it's like, it's like, 
it looks like kind of the, that gulch in Halo, like the Halo 1. There's just this... Anyway, we just hiked around. So uh, there's like a little restaurant there, like the mess hall and stuff. And they've got like photographs of like teams of snipers and that, that have trained there and stuff. And like it was made very clear to me that I was not to take pictures of any of the photographs because their identities would, you know, or whatever. <clears throat> so I was like, this is really weird. And, um, and so we were there to test some of the weapons and equipment that they were doing and to get footage of it and then to edit that footage, um, so that, uh, decision makers could make decisions based on what it was that we were shooting and, um, filming is what I meant to say. Also shooting things, but we're, we're filming the shooting of it. And, uh, and so all kinds of interesting things happened all day long. Uh, just like, he's like, I, did you know one of the hardest shots to make is like, up on a cliff shooting down and that's what's what's great about this facility is there's so many cliffs and so we're like there's like targets that are like hundreds of yards down like a like an incline you know and stuff and there anyway and so i have just the camera with me um and it's a sony xl1 which is like one of the first hd digital digital cameras that um, didn't cost like HD cameras when I got into video were like $125,000. Yeah. Um, and then like a year later, um, Panasonic and Sony both came out with like an HD that was like within like five to $7,000. And so it was yeah. like a huge game changer. So I had one of those and, um, I am on the back of one of those four wheelers, those little quads, like those, I don't know, every, geographical yeah. area has a different name for them, but the, the tiny ones. Right. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm sitting on the luggage rack and it huh. is, it is being driven. There's, there's like three of us in a row and it's being driven by black ops, Marine type people. I don't, I don't exactly know what their, their rank or affiliation was, but that, that was the type of people, right. That were driving yeah. it. And so they're not like, they're highly trained and they're also not cautious. And so yeah. like they're going very fast through like this wooded area over creeks. And I have like a $5,000 camera and they're like, Hey, film this part. We're just going to kind of take you on a route around the area because we want to showcase like these features and, and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Well, I'm like sitting, sitting, there's no seatbelts, luckily, because if you roll one of those, you don't want a seatbelt. And so I'm just sitting and going and they take a very sharp turn to the right and I continue to go straight. Like the vehicle just cut yeah. out from underneath me and there was mm -hmm. so much momentum that I stayed in the air for a while as I continued. And, um, <clears throat> and what was really funny was my thought was, please don't break the camera because like, it was an expensive shoot to like fly me up there and you know, like all that stuff. And so I, because of several other things that have happened, which I could tell at some point in time, I, I know how to, to take momentum and throw it into a role rather than take the impact of that momentum. And so I, I tucked the camera in towards my rib cage and I, I formed kind of like a C shape across the back of my shoulders and my, and my upper arms. And I, I rolled, I don't even know how many times, a bunch of times, just do, 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 do. And then I landed. And when I landed, I landed with the camera in the air, in my hand, I had, I had held it on and it, 
it didn't, I mean, I was shredded, but it didn't touch the camera. <laughs> and they were all like, that was amazing. And I was like, you jerk, you know, like I'm on the back of this thing. You know, they're like, you, man, that's exactly what you should do with your weapon. Like your weapon never gets wet and it never gets dirty. No matter what happens, like you treat that camera, like your weapon, like all of a sudden they had this huge respect for me because <laughs> like I took the hit instead of letting the camera take the hit. And, uh, and it, it kind of made up for, you know, like being airsick and, and vomiting after I got out of the plane <laughs> so, where they were like, Oh, you're a wuss. And I'm like, you guys all had, you didn't have blindfolds on <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that was, that was kind of, that was like, you know, they were like super, and they kept telling me like all these stories about how, yeah, this one time I was like, you know, in this, I was in this like swamp and like your gun's just so heavy and I just had to hold my gun above my head like the whole time. But yeah, that's exactly what you did with that camera, man. No matter what happens, it <laughs> never gets dirty and it never gets wet. And I'm like, all right, but, uh, that's great. I'm glad you guys are excited about that. But, um, can you slow down when you're going to turn next time? <laughs> so, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. No, that's so hilarious. Yeah, oh my so. gosh. So, um, th that's so believable to me too, because I like where I live, it's all like a lot, like what you're describing is kind of the foundation of the whole place I live. Like right. the biggest, um, you know, employers out here are Edwards Air Force Base, NASA, Northrop Grumman and, uh, and Lockheed. Right. So it's like, literally we have big <laughs> chunks of land that you are not even like, you'd get shot and killed if you went on. Yeah. And, like, um, and, and if, if nobody's had this experience, you'll be driving and there'll yeah. be like a small warning sign that just says, hey, don't go uh -huh. further. And if you go further, out of nowhere, people with guns will show up and be like, you need to turn around now. And you're like, oh, sorry, I got oh, yeah. lost. Yeah, that and that has happened. Like Area 51 style, just like lights go on that you didn't even see were there. But they're usually on like posts. And you're they're like, very we're in the small. middle of the desert. Where Super are these bright. lights? <laughs> Where yeah. were you guys? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, you know, in our Valley, it might be like helicopters coming out of nowhere or drones. Yeah. Like it, it's a trip, you know, cause this is where like the, the, um, like the SR 71 was developed where like the, the, um, B2 bomber, like a lot of these like stealth crafts that look like weird aliens. Like I, 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 you know, you see them flying and you, you know, people think sometimes they see aliens out here just cause it's like weird stuff being developed. Yeah. But yeah, anytime I've had like a buddy who's like an engineer, like take me on site, it's exactly that scenario where it's like, you know, like the, like, you, okay, uh, this thing's really cool. You can't talk about this thing. Yeah. If you talk and about this, it, you're going to have a very bad day. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think we, we might just want to call it and then we can kind of continue these stories at another time. Cause it's like, I could go for yeah. hours talking about these. Okay, so um, I, I'm just going to list off a couple story ideas for, for future just so I don't forget them. Uh, the quad ride I had on prom, the, uh, nice. the, the jumping the van story is still, I still find that to be a really good story. Uh, then um, there's about six different times that I've almost died on a motorcycle. So I've got those, those three all came <laughs> to mind. And if you want to watch a really, one of my best videos, I think that I've ever made, <coughs> uh, is, uh, is called the road tried to kill me and, uh, go, go find it on my channel. I'll, I'll like 
I'll post a link to it on Twitter, but it's like, it's me and my wife recounting, um, trying to make it back from Disneyland to Idaho. And I had to buy, I didn't have to, but I ended up having to buy a motorcycle because my driver's license expired and TSA wouldn't let me on. And then it was just an interesting 960 miles in a 20 hour period because I, I had to get back for work. So, and that's, that's too far to drive, but there's several things that happened that were kind of interesting. So go watch that video as well. It's awesome. Um, I, I think that in our next discussion like this, I might be talking about a strange, like literally schizophrenic, uh, psychopath who locked me in their apartment, wanted to kill me. Um, I might be talking about getting held up at gunpoint, um, when I worked at a mini mart. Um, and having a gun pointed directly, like maybe this close to my head. Um, there's a lot of crazy ones. Um, yeah, so a lot I, of stories to come. So tune into the next art check because we might continue this. We might change gears. We might talk art stuff. I don't know. Yeah, let us so, let us know in the comments of this video because because you bring that up and I think of uh, I got in several. Uh, altercations in the in the the slums of Glasgow that are kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah, I love it. So uh, so let us know if you guys want us to go back to talking about Do art it. or keep telling stories. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, oh, I didn't fix the credits. If you want to check out my stuff, you can go to coreykerr.com. That's c o r y k e r r.com. If you want to check out Josh's stuff, you can go to quarterlystories.com. If you want to jump in on. Um, the sticker stint that I'm doing starting on February 14th, then you can go to coreycurcom slash sticker stint. That's sticker S T I N T. And as always go check out Josh's comic quarterly stories on tapas and at quarterlystories.com. And we will catch you guys on Monday. Bye.